Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we have back with us our friend and wonderful astrologer Jennifer Edwards who's going to be sharing with us some trends and updates that are heading down our road for all the stuff going on in the stars. Welcome, welcome Jennifer. Thanks for having me back guys. It's always the funnest time when I get to sit down and and, uh, and share space with you too. Well, it's fun for us and super informative. So listeners, get out pen and paper so you can write down everything that Jennifer's going to be sharing with us. She talks fast, but it's all filled with perfect needed information. Where should we start with all the stuff going on right now? Well, you know, the good news is, is that um, we are in a place in time where all of the planets are currently direct. And we'll have this forward-moving energy for a window of time that will last until April 27th, when Pluto finally stations retrograde. So for those of us who have been thinking about launching uh, anything or purchasing anything, um, starting new ideas, uh, downloading, uh, starting anything right now, it's go time, as uh, Denise has coined that phrase. When we have planets direct all at the same time, it's almost like windows, doors opening. If you're unable to uh, utilize this time to start new projects, don't worry. Like if you're planning on buying a house, but it's not going to happen until September it's okay. It doesn't mean that it's going to fail. What this window of time means, this window of opportunity, it's kind of like a grand flush, getting things ready for the 2021 cycle. So it's kind of like a reboot. And if you are able to get things in motion now, it'll be easier to have them come into completion towards the end of the year. See, I love this because I feel like so many people have been, as we mentioned before we started to record, it's felt a little redundant. It's felt kind of a, like a loop tape. And what you're saying, it feels like things are going to finally start to shift. And in a short version would be we're kind of in a good place to get our ducks in a row to get ready for what's coming up next. Absolutely. And and the energy that we've been feeling before, when you when we have stelliums and signs, which which happens because uh, the Sun and Mercury and Venus uh, stick together. Uh, the Sun and Mercury stay within 28 degrees of each other forward and backward. So it's either ahead of the Sun or behind the Sun. And Venus is uh, in orbit uh, 48 degrees. So they're within a sign of each other. So oftentimes we'll get a pileup of planets. Like we went through this um, this winter, we went through uh, a stellium with uh, Saturn and Jupiter as well. So it was a massive stellium in Aquarius, which is a lot of air energy. And so as as um, the Sun and Mercury and Venus moved into Pisces, which is where Neptune is stationed and will be until 2021, we entered into a stellium of Pisces. Now, if you look at the energies between the two, you have Aquarius that's innovative, flashes of brilliance, forward thinking, and then moving into Pisces, which is very ethereal. It's about uh, spirituality. It's um, the soul body rather than the physical body. So we go into this emotional place and the way that the astrological wheel works, it moves with the season. So our astrological new year is on the equinox because we're moving from Pisces, which owns the 12th house, which is the house of death before rebirth is spiritual. It's almost like gestation being in uh, the womb, the watery womb before the rebirth into Aries. So you have all of this, all of these planets 
a stellium is usually is three three or more planets in a sign or a house but we had a stellium in pisces for about a month and and now these planets are slowly moving into aries and what that means for everyone out there we're breaking cycles and leaving behind what no longer serves us while things are in pisces it's a gestation period it's a release period we we release our baggage and then we're reborn into this aries energy so over the next month uh until you know april 27th this fresh energy is coming and so it's really hard for people including myself to let go of baggage to really look at what doesn't work and be able to move forward from that because you know we have a lot of attachments and pisces wants you to really break cycles look at cycles and so that is the energy that we've been going through over the last month or so so this grand conjunction energy that started in the new year are you saying that that hasn't really come to fruition that we're still processing this pisces emotional energy well each month we have a stellium and so because the sun and mercury and venus uh, stick very close to each other and so as we move through each month we're we're brought new energy to sort of process through our emotional body or our intellectual body with the grand conjunction that we had it's kind of like breaking down barriers so when we moved into 2021 we moved into the conjunction of Jupiter and, and Pluto, which, which was huge. That sort of Jupiter's the great expander. Pluto is very much about control. So we, on the world stage, we started seeing ideas of possibilities. It, it, most people and most astrologers are translating Pluto as um, the virus. Uh, and when it gets really close to Jupiter, Jupiter's the expander. And so we kind of had a resurgence of what was going on within us uh, on a personal level. We have a resurgence of integration, transmutation, but also where we feel like we need to control things in our life and where power plays in our life and how we utilize power or how we need to uh, harness power, where our ego is on the power spectrum. And so that's how the beginning of the year started. And then we moved into the Uranus-Saturn square, which the Uranus-Saturn square is a part of a 44-year-old cycle. And this cycle started in 1988. And when we look at the big picture, all of astrology is cycles. So it's, you know, when we have something happen, we are looking at um, massive amounts of um, of internal uh, an internal sort of reflection and also in how we proceed also with the with the conjunction of uh, uh, with Saturn this in Pisces um, it, it what people were thinking about like the age of Aquarius moving forward right and so we're really looking at how technology is a piece of that that's amazing. And, I, you know, whenever you bring up dates and timelines, because you had mentioned before that 1988, and then there were two other stepping stones after that, that were part of this same energy. When we talk about the, the Uranus, the uh, Uranus and Saturn make uh, massive aspects. And when we, if you were to look at a big circle at the top, we would see um, the, the conjunction, which starts the cycle. And so in 1988, we had Uranus and Saturn conjunct each other. Saturn takes 30 years to uh, move around the zodiac. And so these aspects that happen, happen in this cycle. 
Uh, the first conjunction happened at 28 degrees Sagittarius. And in 1988, that's where we saw the collapse of the Soviet Union. I mean, think think back to that date for those of us who are old enough to remember what was going on. There was a lot of excitement happening because there were so many structures falling. Uh, Uranus is the great transformer. It's radical change. Um, Saturn is more about um, government sort of political power. So if we look at that in a personal level, it's 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 about the traditional sort of way of doing things, the tried and true. Even though maybe they're outdated, we still continue to do them because it's ingrained in our system cycles, right? And so when the conjunction happened in 1988, we saw massive change. And this isn't the first conjunction. These are cycles that have happened over the course of history. Uh, but this particular one, this particular cycle that we're in now started in 88. And then we had our first square, uh, which was back in 1999 to 2000. And in 99, 2000, when we have a square, it's a tense aspect. So we're having uh, Uranus, the transformer, and also it, it rules the internet and um, social stimulation and Saturn being structures. I mean, this is when we saw socialism sort of move into uh, terrorism, the, the way our view was, things started to really change. This was around the time that 9-11 started happening. And this really changed our view of, of uh, the, the West to the East, you know, what, what the agenda was on a world level. But it's also, uh, in a mundane level, it was the dot-com bubble. So when the dot-com uh, aspect came in, you know, there were, it was a different way of communicating with the world outside of your own box. And it really started to shake structure. And of course, during a square, it is a tense aspect. So we saw the dot-com bubble sort of evaporate. It got really big and then it didn't have the structure, which is Saturn, to keep it going. So, um, you know, if we look at the internet as it was back then compared to the internet and how we rely on it today, it's a huge gap and a lot of growth. But in the beginning, it was a shot to this huge growth, but not enough structure to hold it in place, which would be Saturn. Um, the first opposition uh, was in 2008 to 2010. And now we're moving into um, the, we're moving into the second square cycle with the ending being the conjunction in 2022. So this whole cycle started in 1988 and it ends in 2022 at 27 degrees Gemini. For us right now, 2021 is all about the square. And it is, it, it's an aspect that really uh, provokes reasons that are internal, external to force a break from the status quo. So, you know, not to bore you on a world level, I'm going to I'm going to pay attention more to how this is going to affect you in your personal life. When you have something that comes in and shake things, shakes things up, you have to restructure how you do things. And we can either take this energy and resist it, which will cause things to sort of recalibrate on their own and maybe in an uncomfortable way, but it's necessary, or we can sort of, we can sort of, um, you know, go with the flow, allow it to happen and actually, you know, look into the old tried and true that we've been trudging, trudging along doing without question and start questioning, well, why, why do I do that? A good example would be, 
you know, someone who uh, has been working at the same um, working at the same job for 40 years because it's a paycheck and they have gone up, they've, they've gotten up every morning absentmindedly, you know, just to get through their day to do it. And then all of a sudden Uranus, the great awakener is saying, you know, you don't have to live by the structure. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people to look at because that's safety, right? And it's, it's pattern and it's, it's, um, it's something that, that they've, that they've always done. But when you look at what is most important with, to you, time, uh, our most valuable, our most valuable asset, um, we start to really look at how we want to use our time, if that makes sense. So the two, so for us on, uh, on a personal level, this is going to really look at systems that we have just accepted as being the norm in our lives, really have the energy or propensity to shake things up, whether we want to or not, because ultimately at the end, it's about our, it's about our highest and best. So if we're refusing to look at that, Uranus comes in into Uranus comes in and, and kind of forces us to look at it, which is a wonderful thing. So if Uranus is this great awakener, it's going to help us question our career, maybe some relationships we're in, maybe some goals we've set. Is astrology does it work so linearly and, and perfectly that we could say these structures date back to 1988? So when we look back at 1988, you, you have to also look at the signs that, um, that, that the two planets were found in. So all of these aspects that have happened over the last 44 years, the same planets are involved. So that same basic energy is there, uh, but the signs have changed. So in 1988, it would have been at 28 degrees Sagittarius. So you would look at your chart to see how that energy would have impacted you in your chart at 28 degrees uh, Sagittarius. And then in the first opposition, Saturn was in Virgo and Uranus was in Pisces. And the uh, this square that we're having now is Saturn in Aquarius and Uranus and Taurus. The, the vast difference between this square and the one that happened in 2000 is that Saturn was in Taurus and Uranus was in Aquarius. So um, it, it's, it's kind of like flipping the script. So you can go back and look at the patterns, but it's where the resistance comes in and then the impetuous to change. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So what about Mercury and air signs? Well, you know, as we know, Mercury retrograde, our favorite, our favorite topic is um, <laughs> we're, we're free of Mercury retrograde, thank goodness, for, um, for a little while. So we will, we will go into another Mercury retrograde on May 28th, and it will last until June 22nd. But as this year began, we, we started having Mercury going, going retrograde in air signs. So Mercury is ruled by Gemini, which is an air sign. It rules communication. And so whenever we have Mercury in air, our ability to communicate is, is amplified. And uh, before, over the past uh, two years, actually, we have had Mercury retrograde in water signs. And so when we start talking about communication and um, miscommunication in an emotional sign, we've had very emotional, um, dramatic 
Mercury retrogrades over the past two years. Moving forward, as it moves into air signs, this is going to to be more about um, data. It's going to be more about uh, communication. It's going to be more about making sure that you're backing things up. It's going to be very intellectual, cerebral. So it's going to affect our thinking are communicating uh, on uh, an amplified level rather than our emotional body. Perfect. Okay, so on a more mundane level, not this big global stuff, can you walk us through the moon cycles in April? Because isn't there like an exciting new moon coming up for us? In April, we're going to have the new moon on the 11th, and that is going to be conjunct Venus. Um, but the the... The wonderful part about the new moon on the 11th is that it's going to have Pluto involved. So we're going to have this massive intensity. This is sort of like the uh, all systems go, like we were talking about. Uh, We will have we'll have the stellium in Aquarius and um, and we're moving out of the Pisces energy. And so Aries is the owner of the first house. It's a cardinal sign. It has this the first flicker of light. So when we think about Aries, we think about spontaneity. We think about fun. We think about play. We think about clearing out the old and bringing in the new, the fresh new air. And so this is going to really mark a time. This is the first new moon after the equinox where we are really beginning our year. So this this is where we kind of clear the decks and we have all this energy. And then, of course, as we're moving forward, the best time of this year is going to be until April 27th before Pluto goes retrograde. That's exciting because it's been kind of like trudging through mud for a while. So everything you're saying, this feels like a huge, huge shift for everyone coming up with this moon and these new energies and things moving into air. And what about the eclipses? The eclipses this summer are very interesting because um, we're actually going to be, this year, we're going to be transitioning from the Sagittarius-Gemini axis, and we'll be adding in Taurus and Scorpio towards the end of the year. We started our eclipses in, in Sagittarius and Gemini last year, and it really brought about expansion of philosophical ways of opening your opening and broadening your thinking. And it uh, Gemini is very much about your internal communication. So that was that was the axis that that was bringing bringing all the energy over the course of the last year. When we move into the eclipse season in May, the first eclipse is going to happen on May 26th at five degrees Sagittarius. This is a lunar eclipse. Lunar eclipses are about about endings. This will also happen right before we have Mercury retrograde. So this will be fantastic energy. The lunar eclipse is connected to the last solar eclipse in Sagittarius. That occurred on December 14th. So as we move into May and we get closer to the eclipse, you want to look back to events that were started somewhere before Christmas to see what's going to kind of poke up in areas of energy situations. A lot of times what will happen uh, if you, if you're into manifesting with the moon, you will start to find the the fruits of your labor uh, are coming to fruit are, are coming to culmination at this point. However, if you swept things under the rug around December, which I mean, Christmas time, <laughs> You know, can't imagine people would be sweeping anything under the rug around Christmas time. But um, anything that's been swept under the rug will definitely will definitely show up for you to finally clear it, to to sort it out, to um, to, uh, you know, clear the decks for the next round of energy that's coming in. And then on June 10th, we're going to have a solar eclipse in Gemini at 19 degrees. 
This solar eclipse in Gemini is the last eclipse in Gemini until 2029. So we want to use this energy wisely. This is sort of like a manifestation of the next eight or so years of what you want to bring in. So you want to look to see where 19 degrees Gemini lands in your chart. And this is kind of like a long-term list. Short-term, we'll see the culmination of this happen at the full moon in, in uh, Gemini in December of um, 2021. Long-term though, these this is this is how you blow your wishes into the wind over how you want to see things sort of move, change, and how you want to see yourself over the next eight years. Uh, when we move into the Taurus-Scorpio axis, uh, axis, excuse me, this, this fall, the energy is going to completely shift between we're leaving Sagittarius-Gemini, which is fire and air, and then we're moving into earth and water. And so that is really going to uh, bring in a lot of emotional aspects as we move towards the second half of the year. So we really want to sort of embrace um, our last uh, hurrah with um, with our Sagittarius Gemini eclipses this year, because it, it's really about broadening our view. What we think about spirituality, uh, Sagittarius rules the ninth house of foreign language, foreign travel, spirituality, theology, and, and taking those concepts and integrating them into yourself. Uh, and so um, it, it's really it's really a beautiful cycle that happens. However, I do want to point out, which I like to point out whenever we're talking about eclipses, is that eclipses um, repeat their points or, or, or repeat their degrees every 19 years. So if you're looking at how, if you're wanting to know how this is going to affect you, you really want to look back to the summer of 2002. You know, ask yourself what was going on. You don't have to be exact. Just start with reminiscing, I often tell clients to make a playlist for, you know, whatever music you were listening to at that time. You know, back then we all still listen to the radio. So, you know, I'll have people make a playlist of, of what was on the radio at that time and just go for a long drive and see what's coming in because all of us have that short-term memory loss. And this will definitely bring in, invoke those memories of, of back then. We're looking for cycles and choices that we made back then that perhaps we made because we wanted to feel safe rather than what our soul really wanted us to do. So that all feels very powerful to me and long-term. I mean, eight is a power number. And if you turn it on its side, it's the infinity symbol. So it feels like if we make a wish, a goal, an intention during this powerful eclipse in Gemini, because it is the sign of air, we're going to be sending it into the ethers and it's going to have a lasting impact. What are some rituals you'd recommend we do in addition to, I love the idea of creating a playlist from 2002, but what are some other rituals people could do to really solidify their intent and bring that sense of purpose to their goals, their long-term goals? In regard to utilizing the energy of Gemini, Gemini is about the twins. So uh, Gemini is a dual sign. Gemini has uh, a very cerebral way of thinking. When we manifest things in air, we're using our voice. And so I oftentimes will, whenever, whenever I have any massive aspects in air signs, especially Gemini, I will speak my intentions. I will, you know, speak my intentions through the whole waxing cycle of the moon. And then at the, at the full moon before it is um, at its peak, I will say the intentions again and then burn them. So, you know, you are what you speak, 
but you are what you think. So some of the things that we can work on uh, before we come into this uh, eclipse cycle that, you know, the Gemini eclipse that that's going to kind of send us off until 2029 is really working on your internal dialogue and, you know, really coming from a place of authenticity and listen to how you speak to yourself. Listen to, even if it's silently or out loud, you know, calling yourself a dummy, like that, that's, that's an intention that you're setting, that, that you're setting for yourself, changing that dialogue and allowing yourself to really move into your, your true form. I love that. And you know, if it's an air sign, could they also write their intentions on like a Tibetan prayer flag and put it in the wind or mm-hmm. um, just something to incorporate air into it as well? That's beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that you can do that celebrates the element is appropriate. That's a wonderful idea, Sam, is to put it on a, on a flag or a Tibetan prayer flag and let the wind sort of kiss it and kiss all of your intentions. Am I right that, am I hearing you right that what we intend at, at this eclipse time will take root and kind of go into the next eight year cycle of our life or am I putting too much weight on that? No, it, you're actually correct. So during, during eclipse cycles, so we have eclipses every single year, the axis of them change. So uh, this Sagittarius Gemini axis uh, began in summer of 2000, uh, pardon me, 2020. Those cycles were brought to us from 19 years ago to break. In 2020, we wanted to look back to 1999, and we've been reworking those cycles. So when we have eclipses show up, we are intuitively and cognitively being presented cycles that we can break and move on from, or we continue on for the next 19 years. So to answer your question, with this particular eclipse cycle, Whatever was going on in uh, 2001 through 2002, we have the opportunity to break that cycle. And a lot of that, because it's, because it's an air and fire, has to do with dialogue and the way that we sort of programmed in judgment, the way that we think by the influence of the world around us. Moving forward into our intentions over the next six months into the next nine years, um, we have the ability to move into a new cycle by breaking our old cycle. That's really interesting because that was a hugely transitional time in my life. And I've been having a lot of memories, loop tapes, reminders, uh, signs from that, that time frame. So that what you're saying is very validating that finishing up that, putting it to rest, finally closing that door and saying, you know, thank you very much for those lessons, but I'm going to move forward from here. I think that's very, very interesting. Absolutely. And to have full disclosure, I do this stuff all the time, you know, over the last couple of days while moving some things, I've had memories come back from that time without trying and then realizing after that that's where that's the time frame that those things happened as if some serendipitous, serendipitous reminder that, that, you know, this is what was going on 19 years ago. And, oh my God, this is what's happening now. (laughs) It's it's really amazing. You know, when you're aware of other people's cycles, right? And then the universe just presents you with insight on your own. But it also puts that energy into what do I want the next 19 years to look like? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, yeah, no pressure. But I mean, it's it's all about growth. So 
I oftentimes a, a wonderful example, you know, usually what, what will come up, people will, will look at job changes that happened 19 years ago, um, what they decided to do for money. A, a good example would be I took a corporate job instead of pursuing my career in art because it was safe. And I thought that that was the right thing to do, even though I don't, even though that that isn't what what fills me up and brings me joy. I chose I chose this over my passion. And so the cycle for them would be to see their passion come up and then they're they're offered with another choice in in the space of fear. Do I choose this thing that's not my passion over my passion because I'm fearful that I will not be abundant? And the same thing with the relationships. We have the same people show up into our lives with different faces. And it's for the same reasons. What are we lacking and what do we think we need when really what we need to identify is what it is that we can do to fill ourselves? Because whatever energy we, we radiate out, we attract back to us. You know, it can also be not breaking a cycle, but outgrowing a positive cycle. Absolutely. 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 One to 2002, that's when I decided to start my family and I had my first child in 2002. Mm -hmm. 19 years later, I'm finally getting ready to trade in my minivan. Wow. Yes. And I'm starting to realize that my kids don't need me in the same ways that they used to need me. And it's, Mm. it's a strange transition, you know, where they need me present and there and to take them shopping. But other than that, I'm not needed in the same physical sense that I was every single day. And it's been kind of lovely growing into this new stage of my life. That's beautiful. Bittersweet, because I miss when they were babies, but also really exciting too. So I just wanted to point that out, that it doesn't have to be a cycle that, you know, is super negative and you can't wait to get rid of. It, It can be a natural evolution and welcoming in a new chapter of your life. Yes. And eclipses are about transitions. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the most beautiful transitions to point out is, is, is moving from uh, nurturer caretaker for others and moving into nurturer caretaker uh, for yourself. Yes. It's just, I think of my friend Deb who puts everything as you know, maiden mother crone. I'm not ready to move into the crone label. Just oh, now. you are so the wise wild woman. She's forgetting one. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. So I'm moving into the wise wild woman and yes. I'll have a compact car that I can park anywhere. So there's great benefits to these stages. That's amazing. <laughs> so what were, what are some other astrological influences that we should look out for in the next three months? The major one right now, Jupiter, the great expander, The planet of luck and abundance is currently in Aquarius, which is a wonderful place for this to be transiting because um, we're looking at how we relate to other people. We're looking at how we communicate online. If we look at Jupiter moving into Aquarius, I mean, we're all on Zoom. We're all utilizing technology now, whether we wanted to or not before in the past. We're expanding our reach. Jupiter will move into Pisces for a very short period of time, but it'll kind of give us the taste and the flavor of what um, the end of 2021 through 2022 will bring before it goes retrograde back into Aquarius. So when Jupiter moves into Pisces, it's the expansion of spirituality. So as we, as we talked about before with, you know, the Pisces stellium earlier this year is that Pisces rules the 12th house of the spiritual body. 
it is the subconscious and it's all the things that uh, are kind of our dream, our dreamlike state. So, you know, a lot of times when we have planets in uh, Pisces, our dreams will be filled with signs. We'll have vivid dreams. Uh, and if you don't have Pisces in, in your 12th house in your chart, look to see where Pisces is located, where you'll get a lot of intuitive hits on that area of your life. When Jupiter is moving through there, we have an expansion of spirituality. We are really noticing how, how our spiritual health is really important to our physical health. This is also a wonderful time to, to do a lot of self-discovery. Like if you've ever wanted to get a numerology reading, right? Or if you have ever wanted to get a tarot or a psychic reading, or maybe try a new divinatory modality for you to learn on your own. This practice kind of opens up the walls of confinement in thinking and kind of spreads it out and gives you more of a spiritual divine connection to intuition. So I'm really looking forward to this transit. Anything in Pisces really sort of lights me up. And with Pisces also, it's the great anesthetizer. So I feel like, you know, we have a great ability and, and capacity for internal and external love in, in all moments. So, you know, really walking down the street and making eye contact, not that you have to, but I mean, if you wanted to, you walk down the street and make eye contact with people and, you know, feel and give love without um, without the expectation of reciprocity. So without expectation. So it's, it's just this huge expansion of spirituality and love that we have to look forward to. Moving into eclipse season, it's kind of one of those things where it's sort of setting us up to really intuit the energy that's going to be coming through us through the summer. So Jupiter will move into Pisces between May 13th and exit on July 29th. So this is going to be this is going to shape up to be a really wonderful awakening summer. So it will be a great summer to keep a dream journal too cuz oh. Pisces help us really recall our dreams. Yes, absolutely. Uh if if you don't keep a dream journal, I do suggest starting one now. I tend to with astrology and and I tend to recommend to people, you know, whenever something comes in that is extraordinary, that you didn't expect, you know, look at the transits, but also, so if, so if you are keeping a journal kind of journal, what, what was going on that day when you had an epiphany or when a stroke of luck came or something you just didn't expect happened. Um, and then, you know, if you are keeping a dream journal, this is when it's going to be lighting up because your subconscious is going to be talking to you in so many ways uh, from 513 to uh, July 29th. Very exciting and hopeful. Yeah. I love dreams. I mean, Me I have I have been dreaming so much over the past three weeks with all of this Pisces movement, and it's been welcome because, you know, sometimes we just don't understand things, and it's almost like your 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 spiritual self saying, "Hey, here's a movie. <laughs> here's a movie with all the answers." You know, so so yeah, I I look forward to to big Pisces uh, Pisces transits. So on the global stage, we've been seeing a lot of polarity, a lot of fear, and much change. Do you see that settling down with these astrological influences, or do you see it taking until 2022? Well, I think when we look at when we look at the worldview, there's always something going on and there's always some transit going on. There's always a square happening, there's always a trine happening, and it and it and it affects us and we see it affect us. 
I think that over the next year, the best way to be able to invoke positive change is to start within ourselves. And I know that that sounds like the, the, the same thing that you hear over and over again, but really when we get rooted into what our purpose is, meaning like what makes us feel good, what lights us up and having that radiate out, it really affects the area, the people that we come into contact with our, our little towns and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. Now, on a world level, what we're going to be seeing and have been seeing is going to be a divine shakeup of power. The way things are structured now, which is Saturn, is no longer working. A good example would be the royal family, right? So we have um, Harry just, just left the monarchy. And we're probably going to see a lot of, uh, you can use them as an example. They have a lot of Taurus placements and Uranus is in Taurus right now. There's going to be a lot of shakeup there and reorganization because the old structure no longer works. Looking at the United States, it's the same thing. Taurus is about security, monetary security. It has to do with our, with our land, our food, agriculture. And so how our currency how we use our currency, how we find our food, food production. And then uh, Saturn has to do with government. How much control does the government have? What kind of government do we want in place? Uh, who and how do the people that we get to vote on get there in the first place? What happened to grassroots? What, you know, where are these people coming from? Th these are the questions that are going to come to us as individuals and we are the impetuous of change. So over the next, you know, over the next year, at least we're going to see people standing up and saying, just because you are the government doesn't necessarily mean you're right. We all have an ideal where we want to be in connection with each other, or we would hope to want to be in connection with each other, which I think we're all moving into, especially with all this energy in Aquarius. And I think that the power of the people is going to be the way forward over the, over the next few years. Our voices will be heard. That's really interesting because what's been coming up over and over in my own work and with people that I've been working with is this energy moving towards unity on a global level. Mm -hmm. And I bring that up a lot on this podcast because I think it's really important that we we reach out to each other and say, okay, we're in this together. We need to help each other stand up. And I think that's, that mirrors what you're saying beautifully. Uh, I think, I think you'll find that over the next five years, we, the people on a global level are going to see how things have operated for a very long period of time. And I think we're going to be very surprised, probably outraged. And then, and then we will, and then we will change. And it has and it has to do with what we have been shown and what has actually been going on all along. Right. Now, How, however you interpret that, you know. I have to bring in the woo-woo here because there has been so many news stories about UFOs and extraterrestrials in the news of late. And I keep going back to that weird addendum on the COVID-19 bill that the government has to have disclosure by the end of the year. Do you think part of this breakdown of structure is recognizing that we are not alone? 
I wouldn't be surprised when we start having a lot of transits in or a lot of planets transiting Aquarius, that is the sign of the extraterrestrial. People who have a lot of Aquarius in their chart are very unique and strange and connected. And so um, they're, they're like aliens on earth, right? I have a lot of Aquarius in my chart. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely an alien here on earth, but this would be the time for those things to sort of like come in, especially with the, the Jupiter uh, Saturn conjunction th that we had in December, opening up that vortex of, of, um, of getting full disclosure about extraterrestrial um, presence around us. I would not be surprised if that, if that came through quite honestly. And I thought it was kind of weird. I think it was last year. Some of that information was disclosed and, and never elaborated on. So maybe with hope by the end of the year, we'll have some more insight on, um, on what those findings were last year, what they were, what they disclosed. Yeah, I supposedly it's in the works and you see articles here and there. They keep coming out every couple of weeks in this new year and just makes me think that maybe we will actually see disclosure in our lifetime. And with what you're saying about the astrological influences, it makes sense. So every time I listen to you, Jennifer, I always have, you know, pen and paper. I've taken notes throughout this time, but it can feel overwhelming. Like there's so much to remember. So I feel like I need to get another reading with you. When people contact you for an astrological reading, do they need to give you like a specific question, an area to focus on? What do you recommend? Well, uh, when you sign up for a reading, I have, I have a little form that you'll fill out. And the form asks for your birth date, the exact time, and the location. Um, depending on the reading that you would like to receive, if you're a, a first time client, typically uh, you could do the soul reveal, which goes over um, your whole birth chart, but also focuses on your North node and your, your part of fortune, which is sort of like your soul purpose. And then the regular readings are, are basically a full, a full outlook of your entire chart. Now, for people who are returning, I have them I have them sort of ask a question. Is there a focus that you'd like to work on today? Because when we look at your astrological chart on, on a personal level, there's so much to look at with the transits also involved. But when we enter, when we choose, I believe we choose uh, when we enter this uh, plane of existence, we are also choosing what our what our challenges are and challenges meaning, you know, what we're going to work on, become proficient in during this lifetime. And so uh, a lot of times the questions that people ask are, are happening. We're having a transit that's stimulating that area of their chart, which I think is, is you know, one of the wonderful things about astrology. Of course, it's, of course you're asking me, me this now, you know, but yes, if, if you're coming in for a first time reading, if there's something that you want to pay attention to, you can absolutely request to have request to have attention to detail on a specific area of your life. But more often than not, by the time the reading is over, we have we've nailed it. I because, was just gonna say that yeah. even if you don't, because I when I had my reading with you, it was the first time. So it was a overview. And it doesn't matter. Like Jennifer nailed the the three main things I wanted to talk about. And I think I said three words throughout <laughs> my whole reading because I was just like dumbfounded like oh my gosh how did she know that and oh my gosh how did she know that and it was just overwhelming the amount of information you provided and I still will go back to the recording and look over my notes 
I love it because you talk about past lives, you talk about important relationships, and you give time periods. You know, that's, I love tarot readings, everyone knows that, but it's so hard to tell time with the cards. Whereas with astrology and, and you, Jennifer, you're able to say, this is going to be the best period for you to focus on love. This is going to be the best period for you to focus on money. And this is for career and this, and you really lay it out, which I think is super helpful and cool. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I personally love sitting one-on-one with another person to kind of be able to show them the energy that is available to them rather than look at, you know, when is this going to happen? Look at what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot happening right now. And I think you've given us such a good overview of these, you know, full moon and eclipses and new moons and all these wonderful, exciting things coming up. I think we're still working through a lot of the 2020 energy but it feels as though around the summer, we're going to push through. Am I summarizing that accurately? You are. I, I think I think during the summer, we're also going to see people, you know, leaving their homes, feeling, feeling okay to be out and about. And it's sort of a reconnection, which kind of ties into Jupiter moving into Pisces, right? Having spiritual connections. I think... I think with the absence of others, you know, having having the time afforded over the last year, it, it, our COVID anniversary was a week ago when this all started. And I think a lot of us took our everyday associations uh, for granted. I mean, it's easy for all of us to do. And then once once we're quarantined or, you know, in lockdown and we're unable to have those connections with our family, our friends over a, a very long period of time, we realize how important those are to us. And so moving into the summer, I, I think that we'll find people reconnecting, reconnecting with purpose, understanding how valuable time is. Time is, I, I keep saying this, it's also something that that's, uh, ha, is very important to me recently when you realize that your most valuable asset is time. And when you have love intertwined with time and you spend it with people that you love, it becomes much more important. Oh, that's exciting. You know, except to take my oldest daughter to college, I have oh. not left my town in a year and it's making me feel all sorts of itchy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I actually for the first time in a year and a half uh last weekend went to see music inside and ate food. <laughs> in the same place. I mean, blow my socks off. And I realized how, you know, I I before for the last, you know, 43 years, that was something I could do every day and now it's a treat. And so, you know, it just kind of gives it gives it that that special nuance that you know it really probably should have had the whole time well and it's just exciting to have things to look forward to mm -hmm. you know even if we're not allowed to travel i still am planning trips my favorite band is snow patrol and they're coming to new york city in the fall and i'm just planning it i don't know if we'll be able to go if i need my covid passport or whatever is coming down the road but it's just so fun to be like i can go i could go i'm gonna work on this Oh, absolutely. Wanderlust right now is in full effect, especially in Aries season. So I wouldn't be surprised if people get the get the itch to start really looking in the future about exciting things that they put on hold before in the past for things that they thought, you know, were more important than having an experience. And, and now they realize I, I really want that experience. Amen to that. Well, 
Thank you so very much, Jen, for coming on and sharing. You're just an amazing wealth of information and the way you explain it makes it easy for people to follow and understand and acclimate to their own lives. So where can we find you? And and I know one-to-one readings would be go to thankgoddess.org. Yes. And uh, I'm a part of a collaborative, which is uh, optimisticwellness.com. And and mystic is spelled with a Y. And that is uh, a group of women and myself uh, who uh, provide space for people who are looking to kind of put their toe into spiritual growth or bring bring spiritual growth into practice. Uh, I, I obviously am the resident astrologer at Optimistic Wellness, and I encourage anyone who wants to check out a collaborative to go and check out that website. And the third, the third way to work with me, which I'm really excited about, I just launched my Patreon page called the Moon Lodge. And the Moon Lodge is going to be a place for astrological study, weekly horoscopes, monthly classes, new moon and full moon ceremonies and, and, you know, quarterly seasonal ceremonies. And the amazing part of this is creating a community where you can hone in your divinatory practice, um, especially if you're new or if you're seasoned. And for the first uh, 333 uh, members, you will be grandmothered into a lifetime price of $13 a month. And when I move into the $22 bracket, you guys will have all of the content for your lifetime for $13 a month. So I'm really excited about this. This is really a page for me and a place for me to, to go ham on astrology and go ham on tarot and, and really, <laughs> and really g- g- give my insight and, and really kind of allow myself to be shown on paper. So I hope that if, if through the rabbit hole of, uh, of looking through the things that I do that, that you do take a moment to, uh, to peek into the moon lodge because, um, it's a wonderful place to call home. So that's patreon.com forward slash moon lodge. And we'll put all those links in the show notes and on our Facebook page. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on once again, we look forward to having you back in a couple of months to talk about the fall. And everyone, thank you for listening. We hope you have a wonderful, blessed, happy, magical week. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.